the Old School Red Hill Podcast is a production of Impulse Radio. This and every Old School Red Hill Podcast is brought to you by your friends at Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, People's State Bank, Andrew's Insurance Agency, and Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Well, I was born in a small town I live in a small town Popped out in a small town Oh, a small community And all my friends is a small town My parents live in the same small town My job is a small town Provides a little love Well, I was born in a small town. Chip Jamerson, were you born in a small town? Oh, yeah, I was born in a big town. I was born in Vincennes, which was big for me. Well, I guess yeah, I was too. I was a Lawrenceville I was born in a small town, for sure. I was born in Lawrenceville. Yes, Gary, you were born in a small town. We grew up in small town, USA, yes, Bridgeport, Illinois, and that's where we're going to head back to tonight and cover the summer of 1977. Tube Tops and KC and the Sunshine Band, Star Wars, and a whole bunch of softball. Uh, softball is, I, I mean, I can't even tell you how much softball is in every one of these newspapers. It's the sport of the summer in Lawrence County. Uh, everybody played, I think, between the two uh, counties, I think that we had about 12 teams in two different leagues. It was something else. It's a... Uh, it was fun to report on too. A lot of a lot of big names played in this league. That's when they had built that field over on Old Fifty, right? I think so. About that time, I yeah, think like, in one of these, I'd yeah. read that the, it was it had been open during this year. But yeah. there's mm-hmm. they're in just slow pitch softball, guys. There's fast pitch going on. Oh too. my, yeah. I had to mention, um, as you heard, Gary Emmons there. Chip Jamerson, of course, is on hand. Uh, David King is on assignment for future episodes, so he won't be here tonight. Um, covering, like we said summer of 77 i think chip you're going to do june correct i've got june yes and gary's going to do july dave had august so i'm going to kind of fill in there and i've got a few uh, i'm just going to sprinkle in my job was going to be news stories and music and movies so i'll kind of sprinkle those in so why don't we uh let's just get started um after a quick message from our sponsor of course and that is people state bank Let's face it, banking with a personal touch is what we all want. In the mega banking era of the 21st century, it is the mission of People State Bank to provide growth and stability to all the communities we serve. And with four local locations, of course, you know, Lawrenceville, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Bridgeport, People State Bank does just that. It is a truly locally owned community bank whose earnings are redirected right back into the county. Our fellow Saluki, Stacy Moore, and his team consider it a privilege to have served in the community banking for more than 140 years, and they pledge the same quality of service for many years to come. A true supporter of Red Hill Saluki activities like Pack the Place, 4-H activities, and many, many more, People State Bank is here with a personal touch for all your financial needs. Chip go to the summer of 77 starting in june 
Well, and my portion of the podcast is going to be brought to you by a one-time sponsor for tonight only. Oh, boy. Ron's Red and White. Yes. 2222 Lexington Avenue there in Lawrenceville. Now, this week at Ron's Red and White in 1977, you can get an eight-pack of 16-ounce glass bottles of Coke, Tab, or Sprite for 89 cents plus deposit. An eight-ounce tube of biscuits that's for 10 deal. cents. That's right, a what? dime for a tube of biscuits. <laughs> Holy Ground cow. beef, sausage, and wieners, all for 69 cents a pound. And on that ground beef, that is a limit of three pounds this week. We also have peaches, coffee cakes, sweet corn, and fruit cocktail on special. Now, and don't forget, every time you visit, uh -oh. you do earn a ticket and go into our drawing where we draw five winners every week for money prizes of five, two $10 winners, a $25 winner, and a $50 winner every week. That's every a lot of biscuits. Week. Holy yeah. cow. And that's at Ron's Red and White. You know the location right there on the corner at 2222 Lexington Avenue. Our hours are Monday through Thursday, 7 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 7 to 9. Or 7 to 8, Monday through Thursday, 7 to 9. Friday and Saturday, and 9 to 7 on Sunday. Ron's Red and White. We gladly honor federal food stamps. Oh, good. Oh, good. So if I wanted to, like, say, chop up a pack of weenies and put it on biscuits, like, I can eat that for under a dollar. Under a dollar, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's seventy nine cents. And drink a tab. In, you can throw in some fruit cocktail, and you're just a, a little over. You're about a buck ten if you throw in some fruit cocktail. Holy that. cow! Now that is wieners on biscuits. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just thinking, you know. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, ear of corn is about um, fifteen cents a piece. So, wow. so I mean, you yeah, can, you got you can put three squares on the table for really really cheap. At Ron's so, Red and White. They're, yeah, they're on Lexington Avenue. Now, so. who do I bill for that ad? Um, I think whatever that center is now there. Uh, okay. so, yeah. And I was just thinking when I was doing that ad that, like, the kids today, like, if you just say to them Red and White, like, that's what you say Red and White. We all know what you're talking about. But just, you don't see very many grocery stores called Red and White. If you just say Red and White to someone today... They have no idea what you're talking about. No. Whereas no. that's just common. That's just common for us to, to talk about red white. <laughs> I didn't go there a lot. I remember I walked there with Jason Williams to get baseball cards when he lived in Lawrenceville. Um, wow. And, I, and other times too. It's not like I never went there, but it wasn't our number one. I'm looking up here what a tube of biscuits costs in 2022. Now, this is an eight ounce tube. So that's the little one that has like, well, just like four short. or five yeah. biscuits in it. But I don't think they even make eight ounces anymore. <laughs> yeah, they do because I accidentally <laughs> bought one not long ago. Um, here we go. It costs $22. This is a, yeah, this is a, no, that's 10 ounces. Well, here's a Close. 10 ounce. It's a five. That's what I bought. Five counts, 10 ounces, and that is $1.47. Okay. Now, that's top of the line, guys. That's Pillsbury. And this was, um, this is red and white brand. Okay, well now, now we're now we're getting somewhere. Uh, that makes a difference. Well, before you get started, Chip, I'm going to cover a couple news stories we got going on. First part of June, June second, New Jersey allows casino gam or uh, yeah, casino gambling for the first time in Atlantic City. It's 1977, of course. June fifth. The 31st NBA championship was played, and the Portland Trailblazers beat the Philadelphia 76ers four games to two. 
And in a theme we're going to see here going forward, June 6th, the Washington Post reports the U.S. has developed a neutron bomb. Neutron bomb. Sounds powerful. Those are the Bill Walton years in Portland, aren't they? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Led by head coach Dr. Jack Ramsey. Ramsey, yeah. Dr. Jack Ramsey. All right, well, are we ready to start here? Let's go. Let's go with, let's actually, let's start with the Lawrence County Open, a tradition. Oh, a tradition like no other. <laughs> like no other, that first, usually that first weekend in June, I believe, the Lawrence oh, County yeah. Open. So just a few names of course, Mark Gruner was the winner, shot a 143. Uh, you guys can do the par on that. I don't have that off the top of my head. Uh, 144. One, one under. Uh, yeah, it's one under. Yeah, one under for Gruner. Uh, Dillard came in, uh, Mr. Roy Joe Dillard, at a 147, so four shots off lead in the championship flight. Um, finishing with a 166 in the championship flight. What, definitely want to mention his name. Greg Dykes. Dick Poppy. Oh, hey, Dick oh. Poppy. <laughs> Dick Thank Poppy you who, to Dick Poppy and his estate, yeah. Yes, every note I have here tonight is from the Lawrenceville, is from the daily records that are in the in the in the li, on the library website. So thank this you. This show isn't possible without Mr. Dick Poppy. No, no not, it would not be tough to do it. Near as good without it. Yes, we'd be making um, a lot of stuff up. Uh, in, in the A flight, Paul Kurtz, one sixty one, finished 12, okay. 12 shots off the lead. Um, in the A flight, Lynn Jamerson shot an 85 on day one Ouch. and no second round score available. WD, he's out. <laughs> yeah, it's not listed as WD, but that's Lynn Jamerson that, that didn't come back what the next day. B flight? A flight, I believe. So what did the A flight, the A flight champ shoot? 149. So, so he shot a 73 the first day. So he's tw just 12 shots out. Come I on, mean, Lynn. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to win it, but at least to, you can get back in the money. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now he, because he did not teach the, his class to be quitters. Come on. And I mean, Leo Bach shot an 83 and is on the upper third of the winners there of the, on the leaderboard there. Would this so. be, would, would this be about the time I was in his class? Let's see. This is the summer of 77. A couple, so, couple years before. Yeah, that's right. From some other research I got coming up, I think you would just finished second grade. Second grade, probably, Mrs. So. I just turned two. He was your principal then. Yeah, we where we're at this time. I'm yeah. four, four and a half at this time, so um, I still got another another year before I'm going to enter the school district. Uh, Doug, a young Doug Brown would have been a very young Doug Brown, I assume. Uh, finished in looks like about seventh place in the B flight, and I'm then uh, Joe Tully was trailing behind Doug Brown about um, eight shots behind him in the B flight. So that's not that's, the uh, that's not the last time you're going to hear the words Joe Tully. It's okay. not the last so time you're going to hear the words Doug Brown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course the Allen Balls, they were in the championship flight, but none were even near that. They were near the bottom of the championship flight yeah. in this year. So yeah. let's move on to the school board now. Unit 10 school board, not a whole lot happening in June, unfortunately. Uh, there was a lawyer from Monticello that was hired to represent the district for some involving, um, some impending litigation involving personnel. Um, I don't know if this continued, if we actually had the, what happened to litigation. I didn't research it before. I didn't know if it, we, there'd be more in July or August 
So if not, we might hit it on the 77, 78 podcast. Cause okay. I don't think we've done that one yet. Um, and then a lot of, on roof bids was a big discussion. And then Mary green resigned as the unit bookkeeper. So they did. Ha- and then another thing that in a separate article from that same meeting, it got its own story was that there is uh, Mr. Baker is warning the board of that. We're going to have less money coming in next year. Uh, we have our enrollment has dropped a little bit, which means less state aid. So he's just preparing the school board that this is coming down the road. And his final quote was gentlemen, we are really going to take it in the neck after oh, next year. Oh, so, well, I think I saw the budget for next year spoiler alert and it looked good to me. Okay. So, and, but yeah, so as they're preparing that budget, hopefully they were keeping that in the back of their minds that um, in the future, we may not have as much, uh, money coming in and then I, I never heard the term take it in the neck it didn't sound good no it i don't think that'd be pleasant at all, at all. yeah <laughs> no first time i've thinking. heard it i like it and i'm going to use it i think the other they, now they did call a special board meeting later in the month because the roof i mean these roofs need to get done i mean we're talking right at the high school but um we could use some work at petty sumner and seed as well so or i should say petty in the five six center as well um looks like Sumner's roof is doing just fine. The bids are in and Heath Tri-County Construction came in with a low bid of 6850, which seems very reasonable, but this is back when you get biscuits for 10 cents too. Yeah, that's true. We're ta- yeah, we're not just cuz we're talking three school and these are pretty big buildings too, so that's a pretty nice deal there. Are these red uh, and white buildings or are they name brand? <laughs> uh Joyce Joyce out of I can't remember where they're out of. Um Joyce, Const- Joyce Roofing out of Vincennes, they came in at 8333 Okay. So, you know, quite a bit, you know, 1500 more. Okay. But we're going to go with Joyce because Heath Tri-County Roofing out of Robinson, of course, if it's the Heath uh, conglomerate that's yeah. uh, owning this roof company, they've done some work before the district and we weren't real happy with the work they've done. So they're willing to pay the higher price for Joyce out of Vincennes yeah. because you, you get what you pay for, I guess yeah. is kind of what they're thinking there. So the heat, the heath, um, tends to melt in the heat. Yes. <laughs> and then, okay. That um, was terrible. That was terrible. It, it was good though. <laughs> um, and of course we hired our new bookkeeper. This is the one we're all familiar with, uh, from the yearbooks. Norma Hessler has been hired as the bookkeeper, which is a very important job. I mean, yes, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, especially when you're about to take it in the neck. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, and Hessler would have a long career there on Judy Avenue in the unit office with Mr. Baker and Mr. Moore, and maybe even Mr. Gloucester. I'm not sure if she was still around for him or not, but I think she may have been. So, long career there. So let's so let's get into one of our favorite things to talk about hey before we and, do that let's get yeah. into our one of our favorite things to eat how about that <laughs> yes when your family wants to go out for dinner <laughs> chip and you want you know like a i don't know hand cut steak or hand breaded tenderloin or huh <laughs> wieners on biscuits <laughs> they do not have wieners on biscuits That's good. thank god um, or I don't know, a beef Manhattan if it's the lunch special. Where would you go? Gray's restaurant in Bridgeport. That is exactly right. Like we said, all that good food plus those famous 
catfish dinners that people, I know many people from over here in Indiana that drive over there and get catfish all the time. Check out their daily lunch specials and the weekly features on the Facebook page. They're open for dine-in. Carry-out is available. And we'll talk about that carry-out window here in just a a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Reminded me of something. But uh, give them a call, 945-9501. Let the Gray family cook for your family today. You know, and I'll tell you what you talk about and, and for a year. I mean, always a lot of people from Indiana come over and eat there. And it's really with that one hour time difference. If you want to get an early meal and beat the crowds, because if it's, you know, five 30, your time and you're ready for dinner, it's only four 30 in, in Bridgeport. So you can beat those crowds and, and get a delicious meal. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time you drive by there, there's Indiana license plates across that. Yeah, whole that's front right. Of the building, so. That's for sure. And uh, talking about that, that uh, famous carry out window, I think we, we just, we talked about this week that nobody probably served me any more cheeseburgers through that window. And you guys said the same than Larry yeah. McBride and a uh, longtime custodian at the high school. And, and he worked at Gray's and we lost Larry this week. So our condolences go out to, uh, to the whole family on, on, uh, on losing him. And, and Gary said you worked with him at the, the bus barn or somewhere. Yeah, one I worked summer? a couple summers when I was in high school. I worked, uh, I worked for Terry O'Rourke at the bus barn, but then when he would go on vacation, I would go get shipped to the high school and work with Justin Shear. And, and, uh, so, but we worked with Larry and, uh, yeah, I was one of the funniest people I've ever been around my life. So he had us rolling all the time. He was a good guy. And, uh, he was an old curmudgeon, but he was always uh, always making you laugh, though, too. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, our condolences go out to the to the Larry McBride family, and and uh, he'll be missed. So, a couple news stories: uh, Harold Baines on June seventh went number one to the White Sox. On the eighth, uh, California Angels pitcher Nolan Ryan notched his fourth career nineteen strikeout game versus the wow. Blue Jays, <laughs> and on the ninth. The 50th National Spelling Bee, John Paola, wins. He spelled the word Cambist, C-A-M-B-I-S-T. That seems easy. Well, unless you don't know what in the world they said. Which, I, well, true. That, that's one, yeah, it's too many letters for Wordle. What's up going, what's, uh, what else going on? Well, let's just kind of, in the, now there wasn't a lot of Bridgeport, there wasn't a lot of Bridgeport Little League news. There was more Lawrenceville Little League news in the Daily Record. Like eventually we'd like to get the, a hold of some Bridgeport Bridgeport leaders leaders. find some way to get those. Oh God. I could, like, that may be a separate podcast. Just like each newspaper would be in its own podcast. Oh yeah, Definitely. So, but they did have the team pictures of the five Little League teams that will be oh, participating cool. this year. So I'm going to kind of go through those. Oh, nice. Probably, I'm honestly going to read most of the, uh, the roster because I don't want to leave anybody. I don't know who's listening and who's not listening, so I want to give them their due. Okay. First of all, I'm going to start with my home team, the Union. Ooh. And I don't know if everybody feels this way. And if they don't, I feel sorry for them because it's it's a, like – I. I played on the union union alum. Like I feel part of that organization, just like, Oh, you know, old, everybody come back at the end of coach, you know, Grant Hill and Christian Layton and all those guys. I mean, they're a family. They're always part of the Duke family. You see it there and at North Carolina more than probably any other yeah. university. I know Indiana is real big. Illinois is pretty big, but not like it is at some of the other schools. Right. Um, but so I feel like a connection with these guys because I would end up six years later wearing that same uniform that these guys are wearing here. So 
And I am proud that some of these people are now. I know I didn't realize I, I didn't realize these guys were part of the Union family. So here's the roster that year. Okay, Ty Tyrone Schultz. I assume that's Ty Schultz. That I know he ended up playing at Lawrenceville. So yep. I know he's a Bridgeport kid at one point. That's him. Uh, um, John Reed, a, a friend of the podcast, John Reed, um, Mary Cress. Um, and I'll tell you what, her, in this picture, Mary Cress looks, and this is about the same time, looks exactly like Tatum O'Neill's character in um, Bad, Bad Bears. 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 I mean, <laughs> looks almost exactly like her in this picture. <laughs> um, Brian Holmes, Jana Gray was part of this team. My neighbor, Kent Ubelacker, right across the street caddy corner. I didn't realize that this time as a young four-year-old, he was going to play for the union. Uh, Jason Thacker, star tradition of all three Thacker boys played for the union. Um, Alan Hardacre, Mike Holmes, Dan Beard, David Gray. We've talked about him a lot in his Red Hill high school basketball days, but he was part of the union. Um, This guy was just a junior in high school, but our assistant coach was Tim Worth who played a lot of Legion ball that summer, but he's also coaching the union. Wow. Okay. 17 year old, Jana Anderson, Dennis Barker, Jerry worth. Um, they had three girls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, the Laughlin brothers, Greg and Brian were both on the union and then head coach, John gray, of course. So I was going to say, I, 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 when you were talking about gravy, I almost said, I, I thought that John gray coached that team at one time, but yeah. So it's, they got. They took their picture in that familiar. I know. I've got a team picture from when I was on the union. This exact same spot, right there behind the or behind the right field fence, is where they got their picture. Where it's a t, a minor league field now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where, I bet they were out there warming up before the game, yeah, and they exactly. just pulled them so, together. That's. So I don't have a lot on this season, but go that's ahead. awesome. That I mean, it just it. You know, back then, as we talked with Susan Wright and we've talked to Phyllis Kimmel, I mean, there weren't weren't a lot of opportunities for for girls at the time that's awesome that there was three girls on that team yeah because as we we're gonna get into a lot of softball later it wasn't girls it wasn't right. a lot of girls softball back then yeah. so there's yeah. probably some co-ed softball leagues around but not the softball league i was looking up i mine was pretty much all guys the one i was studying so i know there's not a lot of information but i'll have some to report on but i believe that union team finished second in the league that year by some of the information I'll be bringing up. Okay. Later on. All right. Don't give too many spoilers, but oh, I, that's great. I know union's been kind of union's kind of like either at the top or the bottom. It seems like, yeah. it seems like there's usually not a whole lot of in between with that organization. They, they kind of build up and get really good for a while. And then everybody, you know, kind of like the Cubs, you know, they got really good, lost everyone. Brian, we'll get more into that on B3 podcast. If you ever listened to that, but um, <laughs> they, you know, kind of trade everybody away and then start over again. But um, let's get into the, well, you guys have a connection to this team. I know. So hopefully you have those same feelings, especially Brian about this organization that I do about the union. That's the moose. Oh, yeah. um, I don't think there's I don't think I need to tell anyone who the head coach of the moose was. No, uh, <laughs> I will tell people though, who was the head coach of the moose guys, TJ McClellan. Yes, T.J. McClellan was the head How coach. How was he in 1977? He could oh, have been. Tw- early 20s, probably. I say, couldn't have been. Older than Tim Worth, but Tim Worth wasn't the head coach. He was just an right. assistant coach. So, uh, John Lawson's going to help him out this season. So, our moose, it's filled the Wells brothers. Yeah, I was going to um, say, this is heavy <laughs> Wells, yeah. We're, we're, we're all over this roster from Bat Boy to all the way to the 12-year-old. <laughs> they were everywhere. So, uh, of course, Brant would have been born about this same time, so he wasn't part of it yet. But um, Oh, hey, he, he, I bet he was the there. Of, yeah, pretty much the rest of them were there. Um, so, here we go. Uh, of course, Tony, 
uh, the Jeff James and Rusty Wells, and I'm assuming Rusty was the bat boy. I think Rusty's um, well, boy, I've been first or second grade at this because he's around Brian's age a year younger. So um, then we got Tony Limbrin, David Lawson, Brian Kurowski, Jerry Bergner, Tony Wells. I think I know who's going to win the league. I don't want to know yet, but just looking at some of these names. Um, let's see, Tom Wells. Tony Limbrin was on the moose. He's a union guy. Yeah, he must get traded or something yeah, because because like this is because these pictures you print aren't real clear, but that's a very it's definitely Tony Limmer in that picture. So <laughs> something happened because he he did not finish his career on the move. No, I definitely when you said Limmer, I'm like that's ah, he's a union. I cry foul not on through this. and through, but maybe three of the four years he was a union yeah. guy. So I think I said Tony Wells. All right, I didn't remember. I'm, yeah, Tony Wells. Tom Wells. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know him as Tommy Wells, but yeah, Tom Wells. Um, Bill Howe, Rod Thomas, Mike Blair, Steve Schofstall. Uh, this is a huge team. Lonnie Wells or Lon Wells, as he went. See, I go. I, I was rusty. Tommy. Yeah. Lon, yeah. They're, they're yeah. calling him Lon. And were oh, they trying to say ink? <laughs> Lon Wells. <laughs> <laughs> Scott James and Fred Preston and the coaches, as I said, were Lawson and McClellan and Paul McElroy was an assistant that was not there. So that's your moose. Um, let's next go to FNB. So they were actually called First National Bank at this time. Okay, Very fancy. Yeah, they had not taken. Yeah, which we know them as the bank, but um, of course, uh, let's see, Steve Jordan, who would go on to be a union player. He was the bat boy of bank mm, that year. Okay, bat boy. Yeah, yeah but he, I know he was definitely on the union. I remember Brandon telling us stories about probably a great part of that, uh, part, part of that, that Limmerin deal. deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three-way trade. Um, Matt Campbell, Mike Green, Darren McAdell, Marty Curry, he's often mentioned on this show. Uh, Sean Spillman, Scott Clark's the bat boy. Don't know Scott. Greg Holmes. Uh, of course, Rod Campbell, Alan Massey, Scott Spillman. He would kind of, he's the Ray's cousin. So yep. they, it would kind of start the tradition of everybody from that family was on the bank. Yeah. Um, Mark Jordan, who I know he's at least is on the Facebook page. I think he might listen occasionally, uh, but Mark was a member of that team. Bob Campbell, Matt Boren, Troy Reinhardt been mentioned several times. He was a bank. Jane Creters, uh, Keith Frohawk looks like he's about six foot seven in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> he was a member of First National. He's taller than the coaches, uh, but he was a member of the bank that summer. Uh, Sandy Piper um, and Tom Jordan. So lots of Steve, Jordans. Yeah, Stephen Mark and Angela's dad was the. Who are, who are the coaches of that team? Tom Jordan and uh bob campbell interesting okay all right obviously the jordans end up moving um five or six years later texas i believe yeah so they were so i'll definitely have to let mark know that his family got a lot of he doesn't normally listen but his family got a lot of pub on this podcast that's the bank first national bank to be exact okay to me this might be old news to you guys but i was shocked at this next one the legion okay I think I know where you're going with this. But I'm yeah, manager Doug Hardacre. I was. Um, I thought he was banked for life. I did not. Realize I don't remember in- this at all. <laughs> I thought you. I you, thought that's why I asked who the coaches were again. Okay. I'm like, I okay. thought Bill Griggs was the manager of the Legion at this time. Uh, he uh, he was the assistant. Um, was Bill Griggs, but okay. a young that's Doug Hardacre. I mean, Doug Hardacre was only like 21 at this yeah, time. Was, so. Yeah. He's fresh off of Rin Lake at this point. Um, so Doug Hardacre is the, yeah, 
Wow. It just shocks me that. No, I don't remember that at all. Bank. This team, if, if he's the head coach, this team may have won it, but I don't want Gary to tell me who wins the league. A solid Bat Boy crew, Bobby York and Clifford York. Um, yeah. That's a great and start. I know Clifford would obviously end up being a Lions down the road. What was Bobby in Little League? Lions. Right? They're both. Okay, yeah. so this would be their – they wouldn't have very many go-rounds with the Legion. Uh, of course, Chris Goff, Danny Gaither, Shannon Grismer was on this team. Yeah. Wow. Todd Polk, Joey Croslow, Tim Potts, Scott Davis, Sean Grismer. Okay. <laughs> with Doug Hardinger's head coach. Well, you ain't even done know. with the Grismers yet. I'm not, I know who's <laughs> going to win this league. <laughs> Sean, wow. Sean Grismer, Tony Gaither, <laughs> Mike Ash, Rick Hussey, Doug Grismer. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Vinsel. Buddy Griggs, and then the head coach, manager Doug Hardaker, and assistant coach Bill Griggs. So I mean, Doug Grismer is hitting balls off the pavilion <laughs> roof on a regular basis. Yeah, so I can see. Uh, I don't want Gary to give anything away, but I think we all know who's going to win the league. And yeah, I mean, I mean, for I, Union to finish second, I mean, Union is pretty much a, it was a four-team race for second place. So, congrats to the Union on that. Um, and then we got one other team here that we haven't mentioned that's in that race, and that's the Lions. Here we go. My so we're next just four, four teams? Five teams. Is, this the, oh, the you already said, five. okay. The, the regular five that we were accustomed to at that time, except it was that's called right. First National Bank. Um, my next-door neighbor, Chris Lindsay, um, they were the – his dad was the pastor at the Shiloh Baptist Church at that time, and they were – the parsonage was right next to our house, so Chris Lindsay. Art Harvey was on this team. Yep. Jeff Stevens, late Tony Skimmerhorn, uh, Wayne Woodruff, we'll talk about more in a moment. Chris Hughes, Jimmy Medlin, Jerry, the late Jimmy Medlin. We had a lot early 80s, a lot with his um, prowess on the football and field and basketball court. Jerry Gosnell, Donnie Paddock, Victor Ralston, um, Alan or Robbie Shoulders, yep. Alan Brown. Alan is part of the Ray family. We're going to manage some Red Hill Saluki teams in the early 80s. Um, head coach, Merrill Hughes. I didn't realize oh, wow. he was a head coach. And the bat boy, none other than our co-host here, Brian Emmons was the Lions bat boy that nice. summer. I sure would, would have been an eight-year-old. That's how I knew the second grade things. I knew you were a bat boy that year. So yeah, I, I'll, tell and, us a little bit about the Lions. Well, uh, my main memory of uh, of that is two things. One is that when I got my bat to go up and bat, you know, and how they usually oh, yeah. just bob it to the bat boys. No, I faced Doug Grismer throwing <laughs> absolute heat. I mean, <laughs> rockets flying by me. So needless to say, I struck out. And the other thing is nearly every single game, you know, you wore those light gray pants. Nearly every single game I peed my pants. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Like, I don't know what was wrong. I was so mad at myself. I don't know what was wrong with me. I would, I don't know if I got nervous and or uh, excited or what happened, but every single game. And I remember standing there, you know, in that little like triangle, oh, I, I love where, that place. Yeah, where you would <laughs> warm up. I that was where I'd stood, you know, and go grab the bats or whatever. And I remember like trying to hold it so bad, and I would just finally just let it go. And I looked down. Of course, those pants you could see every yeah, drop. See it all. Yeah, but <laughs> screw it. I just let it go. Now you this didn't have to go all the way out to the pavilion to go pee. Yeah, I wasn't doing night. that, so I just let it fly. Yeah. Now a track a, a tragedy of some 
proportions happened that same meeting this picture was taken you know i mentioned wayne woodruff on the second first guy in the second row there a separate story in the daily record minutes after that picture was taken they went back to practice or probably warm up take infield whatever you want to call it right and wayne woodruff was injured minutes after this picture was taken they were getting they were preparing for their 730 game with the union okay um, and Wayne was accidentally hit just above the right eye by a ball, which cut a gash. He was taken to the uh, Lawrence County Memorial hospital for emergency treatment, four stitches to close the gap. He was then transferred to good Samaritan oh, wow. to, for, to see an eye specialist. Holy so God. his parents, Mr. And Mrs. Carl Woodruff. And I hate back then how they would never tell the wife's name. It's always every single yeah. article was Mr. And Mrs. And never, yeah. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Carl Woodruff report he'll be kept until Tuesday or Wednesday for observations. Um, but he's getting along fine. He's looking forward to coming home soon. So, yeah, I'm assuming Wayne never played another game for the Lions that summer, as serious as this injury was. But uh, you not I mean, you were young, probably don't remember all that going on. But um, I so I researched Wayne a little bit. He ended up being a 1984 grad of Red Hill High School. I saw his wedding announcement. And um, look good in it. So yeah. I think everything <laughs> no, healed. There were no, no obvious scars. scars yeah. So uh, I don't know where Wayne's at now. He's still living in Bridgeport in 84 when he got married, but now, not much since then. Back to that Moose team. You know that the Wellses are nephews of TJ. Oh, I did not know, I didn't know that. I, I'm not exactly sure. Don't quote nephews or like second cousins. There's a real, there, there's a relation there and I'm not exactly sure how it's, how it is, but so that's, that's how you ended up with all the wells and, and TJ okay. and all that together. Well, that makes so, a lot of sense. And, and if I'm wrong on that, I excuse me, <clears throat> that's the way I remember it. I'm pretty, but I'm, I'm 99% sure um, that that's that that's the case. But I tell you one thing I'm not 99% sure on. I am 100% sure that if you want to simplify your insurance needs and you want one agency to handle your coverage so your family can sleep at night knowing you're protected, then see the team at the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport, now a division of the Burkhart Insurance Agency. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are still your agents that work hard to make sure you have the coverage that's right for you. They've been part of the backbone of our community for years and have been, always been huge supporters of Red Hill activities. So give T-Bone or Juice a call at 945-2881 and let the Andrews Insurance Agency handle your farm, commercial, or personal insurance needs. All right. I like that part. And one more piece of baseball news. Um, Bridgeport is no longer a member of the Lawrenceville Pony League. Um, Mrs. Jerry Cooper, of course, they won't yeah. tell us her first name, <laughs> yeah. is the president of the Pony League. And there was a dispute, a disputed time limit decision made following the opening game between Bridgeport and IGA. So, no, wait a minute. Even though she's the president, yeah, they still Mrs. list her husband's M- name. Yeah, Mrs. Jerry Cooper. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And after this dispute over the time limit rule between Bridgeport and a Lawrenceville IGA team, I'm assuming, um, there it was a mutual agreement of a disassociation. So Bridgeport got one game in that summer and is leaving the Pony League. Oh, wow. Um, so Lawrenceville is having to revise their schedules, and Bridgeport's going to join 
in with Noble, Sumner, Oblong, and Marshall and kind of play in that league, play kind of a round robin with those <laughs> so, four, four towns. So that ridiculous stuff we went through when you were in Babe Ruth League, Gary, was nothing new. No. Yeah, over at the Sumner City Council, there were some complaints that June. A lot of it dealt with dogs running around and high water bills, water pressure. I'm not going to get into a lot of it. It's in the daily record if you want more information. But I just got to give credit. I mean, because there were tempers. I mean, there were Bridgeport people there that were upset because I guess part of their people in the Bridgeport, they were getting their water from Sumner still. So they were upset uh, because they weren't getting water pressure. Bowser says we're not going to. So the mayor was Mr. Bowser, our you know, eighth grade math teacher it would have just been in his twenties at this time. So just, I, I don't know. I feel like I might to, to run the town of Sumner. I mean, that's a, that's quick as well as coaching and teaching. I mean, that's quite an undertaking, um, but he handled himself and these, you know, people like, you know, Bob Rucker and the, and Mr. In the ball, Paul Baltzell come in and I have about a- water pressures, put Pete Schofield in there. I mean, he seemed to handle it well. We're not upgrading the pipes. They're not in summer. We're not going to upgrade your pipes. I haven't Um, seen Dennis Bowser like lately. I have a feeling like he's probably one of those guys that looked 40 when he was 20 and looked 40 now when when he's 60, you know? Yeah, Bob posts some pictures sometimes like birthday parties and stuff. He looks, he he does, he hasn't aged a whole lot. He looks just the same. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so no new pipes. Screw it. Late 20s handling the town of Sumner and putting up with all this stuff for not very, it's pretty much volunteer. He might get a little stipend. He's not getting paid very much to, to do this. Um, so that was going on. Hey, um, on, uh, on June 11th, the 109th uh, Belmont and uh, Seattle Slough won that bad boy with a two minute and 29 second on the 18th, Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson got into their famous dugout altercation. Okay. And on June 26th, Elvis Presley sings in Indianapolis, which is of course going to be his last performance of his career. Okay. So, uh, right. Number one songs of the month of June, Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. June 11th was I'm Your Boogeyman, KC and the Sunshine Band. June 18th was Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. And on June 25th, Gotta Give It Up, part one, by Marvin Gaye. And uh, we'll make a Facebook announcement in, if you want to hear why we didn't play those songs. <laughs> okay. Um Felling camps coming up at the end of June. It's going to be June 20th through July 1st. I love that he's doing two weeks. Uh, sometimes coaches I see do four days anymore. So to do two solid weeks wow. is great. Uh, he's going to have um, Jay Scheidler, who's a, currently a player at University of Kentucky, is going to be there. Uh, Rick Leasty, who plays for the University of Illinois going into his senior season, is are going to be there. So he's going to have some past Lawrenceville players. And there was a little story about Rick Leasty that I thought was good, if I could can find it here. Hey, while you're and, looking that up, if you don't yeah. mind, I'm going to make a quick shameless plug for the B3 podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I interviewed Jay Scheidler, matter of fact, uh, this afternoon, the same day that we are doing this, and uh, that will go up on uh, f- uh, April 13th That uh, with, uh, with Jay Scheidler talking about his book, Blonde Bomber. Uh, and ride with Shide. Jay tells stories about his career in Lawrenceville and Kentucky and uh, talked about Rick Leasty on that interview too. So uh, B3 Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, if you want to hear uh, more from Jay Scheidler, it was a, a real honor to interview him. Yeah, and I think since Rick awesome. is a – Yeah, and it, um, <clears throat> Rick has been a Bridgeport resident for, I don't know, 40 years. 
Um, so he's one of he's one of us now, yeah. even though he played Lawrence. So they had a really nice story on Rick after. So I just because I think a lot, I don't know. I honestly think his career might be a little underappreciated. I know his jersey's retired. Um, you know, one uh, two state championships there. But I don't know. I think he's a little underrated. So there he had a little Rick gave a whole article on tips on rebounding and things like that. He's currently going into the senior season. He'll be a captain at Illinois in the that's how I mean Big Ten team, captain of the team. Um, but I thought Coach Felling had a good quote here. He says, I don't know of a better high school basketball player than Rick when he played for us. Rick made over more overall contributions to our high school program than any other player I've ever had. Wow. And I've coached Dennis Scheidler and Jay Scheidler. Wow. So some high praise there for Rick Leasty. So wow. of course his kids were Salukis. So um, yeah, some nice, nice words there from coach. I know they're all real close with coach still today. So all right, we're moving right through this. A few other things to go over. I know Gary's going to get more into the, the nitty gritty with the softball league. But it was, yeah, They, you guys have kind of mentioned it. They play out there uh, between Lawrenceville and Sumner. And just a lo- some loaded rosters that Gary may get into more. I'm not going to go over all the all the names and so forth, but a few names that you, know, you may be interested in. Chittix was led, you know, hitting right in the middle of the order was Todd Gray, one of our sponsors yes. of the show. Uh, he played there with Larry Lockhart and uh, Susan Wright's um, brother-in-law, Andy Warner. Um Played on that Chittick's team. Um, over on the St. Francisville team, you had Rick Leasty back for the summer from Illinois, uh, playing softball at, in this league. Um, along and then Dave McAdow playing for Christy Texaco, along with Kent Lankford on that team. Mike Ash, so Mike Mike playing for Legion. His dad was playing for Meadowview Farms Jeez. at the time in the softball league. Um, Tre- Tresslers had Dave Hesher and. Uh, boxing legend Ralph Jefferson played on that trestle. <laughs> well, I forgot about Ralph Jefferson. <laughs> Golden gloves. <laughs> yeah. Um, Phil Alsman, the great Parkview coach, played on the White Brothers. Uh, Bridgeport, some names you'll hear Gary, I'm sure, talking about. Bruce Jones, team's loaded. Dave Sears, friend of the Facebook page. Uh, the Brian Triplets are all out there. Ed, Jess, and, and Bill. And uh, Bill's sons. Uh, both listen to the podcast a lot. And of course, sponsor Terry Andrews played on Bridgeport. So a lot, I just kind of want to give an overview and I'll let Gary get into more stats and things like that as we, as we go along, but this was big. This was the first year for this league. I believe I'm sure there've been other parts of it. I know it ended up, I know St. Francis ended up having a huge softball league at one time. So it's been big in Lawrence County, but, and, but the thing is where we have so much information every day in the daily record, there was a huge half page or quarter page story on the happenings from the games the night before. So. Yeah, and and the little bit that I saw when I was you know going through the August newspapers, like they weren't just like stories like Chittix beat so and so four to two. This guy had four hits, you know, whatever. Like, like the it was actual. They were written like there. Yeah. It was a narrative of <laughs> yeah. what happened. Yeah, it was journalism. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean they were writing like there was adjectives and adverbs being used. I mean, they told the story, painted yeah, the picture. The they were at the game with their little notebook, taking notes on things. So. Yeah. And, and I don't know, Gary, uh, to me, maybe you're going to say this, but I noticed in the couple that I read, there was a Bridgeport, there was an anti Bridgeport vibe that I saw. <laughs> like, like I know it, it would say in the headline, like, 
so-and-so beat Bridgeport, and then they would tell the story of other games. I mean, I get there was a it was a definite. They weren't rooting for Bridgeport. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, Bridgeport didn't lose very often. I'll tell you that. Well, maybe right that's now. why. Maybe they were rooting, rooting and for like other say, people. If you're interested in this stuff, like I can say they're on that. If you Lawrenceville Public Library, they're on. It, so I know some people have no interest in reading stories from 45 years ago, but I think it's fascinating. Listen, so, I, I'm I'm fully ready to just start doing a podcast <laughs> where we just go through a paper for that day. I mean, I yeah. I I love going through all this crap. I could do hell. I could do a podcast on the Bridgeport social. News. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're never going to run out of ideas for podcasts. All we got to do is open up the Daily Record, and we'll yeah. have ideas. My main memory—I don't have a lot of memories from when I was four. You kind of remember spotty things here and there when you're four. Um, a lot of your memories are through pictures and things you see. You think you re- remember more than yeah. you actually do. But I clearly remember this day, June twentieth, nineteen seventy-seven. That late afternoon, I remember hopping in the car. And we're, of course, rushing to Vincennes, Indiana, to Good Samaritan Hospital. Um, and later that evening, 742, my sister was born uh. um, that night. So I clearly, and my grandma lived in Vincennes, so she met us at the hospital, and I went to her place and um, stayed brain. the night there. And I remember, I can remember getting the phone call that night that I had a new baby sister. So my sister Barbie was born June 20th, 1977. Um uh, June was a big month for births. A lot of my sister's classmates were born that year or that month. Jamie, Jamie Lou Allen was born. Um, Jeremy Hayes, um, Allison Lichty. She had a short stint at Bridgeport. She would eventually move, but um, I know she was a, one of my sister's friends at seed school and over on the other side of the county, but the grandson of our school nurse, um, her first grandchild, no, not her first grandchild. I've been her second grandchild because um, older sister here, Gannon Diggs, uh, the grandson, Martha Ernst, was born the exact same day, exact same hospital wow. as my sister. That's a oh, stat wow. I ha- I have known wow. that stat for quite, that's a stat that I've heard quite a bit through my life. So I didn't know that one ahead of time. But okay. uh, yeah, so they so Gannon went to Lawrenceville, but um, family was a big Bridgeport family. Yeah. So though, and then another school nurse. Yeah, looking at this, uh, the standings of the NL National League, I took a look at them. The Cubs are off to a great start. They're 47 and 22. They have an eight and a half game lead in the NL East. Um, wow. I mean, it's not even, they're about to run away with it on June 28th. They're up eight and a half games over the Phillies. They would end up finishing 20 games out of first place. <laughs> oh, year. my Holy crap. God. So it's, so it's, well, so Chip, I'm looking here July 15th. Okay, so they're they, 47 and 22 on June 28th. What are we now? 52 and 32 in a four game lead. They okay. won five games. So five and 10 since so it's starting to slip away and it, and it never got better. I mean, five and 10 may have been one of their best 15 game spans. I'm oh, curious wow. what happened. That's crazy. I'm curious what happened that year. Yeah, I'm not sure. The bottom completely fell out. I guess the Phillies ended up running away with the division. Uh, like, How say, big so of a lead did you say they had, Chip? In eight June? and a half on June 28th. And they were. Lo- End up 20, losing by 20. Yeah. Lost later, 28 games. Oh 28 and a half game swing there. Uh, they ended up with a 81 and 81 final Which, record. So, you know, yeah. respectable. But when you're 47 and 22, you're looking at like a 98 win season. That is right. what you're hoping for that year. So, um, little baseball news there. And then I do another thing I remember. I remember going to see Freaky Friday at the drive in. It was playing at the Midway drive in at that time. Were we there uh, together? So, 
I wasn't with you, but no, but um, I think we may have both been there on the same night. We could have been. I'm I think sure. so. I think you remember we were seeing the Jamer. I see. I was young. Remember my memories yeah, are yeah, spotty yeah. at this time. So yeah. you remember seeing the Jamersons there? That I know. Mr. I think there? so because I know we saw Freaky Friday at the drive-in, and I'm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we were there on the same night. <laughs> same night. We may have had the Rays with us. I know the Ray, Corey went to a couple shows with us there, not the Rays. We had one Ray with us. Uh, he may have been there with us. But um, And then the movie Gus, I didn't remember. It's a Disney movie. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, about that field goal kicking donkey. Yeah, Don Knotts. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I didn't remember it, but I, so I went to Disney Plus, and it's on there. So uh, yeah. they have their full catalog pretty much. Especially the older stuff is all on there. So And then Rocky replaced Freaky Friday at the drive, and obviously that was a huge hit over the summer um i believe let me look through my notes here that kind of puts a wrap on things they did have a nice picture early june of the seed school picnic that happened on may 28th <clears throat> the last day of school and that was we've talked about that in other stuff that was one of the great days of the school year the last day of the school year but the big you play baseball and his kids had the run of the park for the whole afternoon so that went on but otherwise i think i have exhausted all of my notes. All right. Well, before we go over to Gary in July, let's talk about Bridgeport style pizza. Gary Emmons, who makes the best Bridgeport style pizza in the whole world? Well, I think it's got to be the Pizza House. Yeah, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. That's right. And that's the place to go for that world famous Bridgeport style pizza. They're open Tuesday through Sunday, four to nine course they're open for lunch the first friday of each month from 11 to 1 and now i know what you're going to ask me what's the employee picked pizza of the month well it is the mac and cheese barbecue pizza now listen to this they start with barbecue as the sauce and then they're going to throw on some hamburger right then they're going to throw on the mozzarella cheese bacon mac and cheese and finish it off with a drizzle of barbecue sauce my goodness i want one right now and don't forget they can deliver it you can pick it up dine in do whatever you want to do just do it call 945 food for tyler griffin's pizza house and download the b3 podcast throw that in there hey uh july 2nd you mentioned rocky july 2nd gonna fly now by bill conte is going to take over conti is going to take over the number one song spot on the billboard hot 100 that's only going to last one week and then alan o'day is going to come in with undercover angel that's only going to last one week july 16th the crystals remake the do run run by sean cassidy that's only going to last one week Looks like we made it by Barry Manilow comes in. That's only going to last one week. And then to round out the month, Andy Gibb. And he just wants to be your everything. And I tell you what, this month, July 77, Star Wars debuts. Yes. Now I looked at this. July 13th was the first week it was out. It was the, was the week it was out. It stayed on top of the box office until October 19th. which is extraordinary for i mean yeah the three several months in a row of being number one at the box office obviously a blockbuster hit of huge proportions i've got the numbers here too and i mean just absolutely nuts i mean you got to remember this is 1977 biscuits were a dime (laughs) and and they did 
two and a half million, three million, three million, three and a half million, six million, six point eight million, seven million, six point two million. Then August tenth, seven point one, six point seven, five point nine, five point two. In September now, 7.7, 4.6. These are weekends. 5.6, 5.1, 4.4, 4.4, and that's before it tailed off. 1977. The movies are probably like two bucks to get into, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's if crazy. you translate that to day, today's numbers, I mean, the millions of dollars they're bringing each, I mean, it would... I know that they don't have the box office records today because the ones today obviously... They make more money than they did then, but like Star Wars and ET, like those two movies would never be touched with yeah. um, the money they were making. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy stuff. Chip and Brian, if you were ever gonna have a need for some Western wear in Bridgeport, where do you think you would have gone back in 1977? Montana Clothing. I got a Montana so. Montana Clothing Company, <laughs> owned and operated by Terry and Mary Clark, 131 East Olive Street, Bridgeport. If you wanted to give them a call. Do you remember the phone number? I would never remember. 945 4163. 945 9212. 9212. That's pretty easy to remember. Yeah, 9212. In their, in, their, in their ad, it looks like we have all kinds of different types of clothing. We have baby tank tops for $0.99 cents a piece. That's down from the regular $1.50. You've got boys' short sleeve Western shirts for $5.95. West men's short sleeve Western shirts for $6.95. So, you know, fair, fair prices, I think. Ladies, polyester shorts will cost you three fifty. But guess what, guys? There's some competition coming Uh-oh. to Lawrence County. On the same page here, the Hoagie House is announced that it's going to be closed to July 16th through July 31st. You know why? No. We're no. going to prepare for their new edition called Bridges and Boots. <laughs> really? Okay. Wow. So well, I think we know who won that competition. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Bridges and Boots is going to debut uh, August 1st at 10 a.m. side-by-side with the Hoagie House. So really? Montana and, uh, and the Clarks, I'm sorry, but you got some competition coming for sure. Now, where was the Hoagie House at that time? Does it say? I'm going to give the address here where it was. So I'm not I sure should I know the answer to this, but I can't think. I didn't know they'd had various locations. No, I know. I think was it. It was in that same location. Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, I I never went to Montana for Western wear, but that's where I'd go for my Red Hill apparel. And I'll talk about it more on my on the Chuck Rousey episode whenever we do that. But that's where I got my big twenty two put on the back of my Red Hill shirt. It was right there in Montana. They had the screen printing, of course. Oh, yeah. They would later sell all that equipment to Harold Okay, Tucker. that's that was my question. Montana sold to the Tuckers and became Sports and Spurs, right? Yes. Okay. So a lot there of the same inventory. New owners, but I, at some point, Montana turned into Sports and Spurs. Right. I sure. think it was – I don't think there was anybody in between those two. I love that. What a fantastic – I love when you went, used to be able to go upstairs at Sports and Spurs. Oh, yeah. And that's where the, the, oh, that's right. Up there. <laughs> Smelled oh, so yeah. good. Oh, God, that fresh leather. <laughs> I just love the T-shirts. And then the somewhat inappropriate screen print, like things you could get on your, <laughs> on the front of your t-shirt. I, I feel like there was probably 500 screen prints on that wall. I know there probably wasn't. But it sure seemed like it. It filled I, the wall. I mean, if you do the math, if there's, you know. 
I mean, I feel like it was at least five high and about 40 across. Of course, so, I'm, yeah, picturing, I'm picturing that wall the size of the big green monster in Boston. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's not that big. That's what it feels like to me, too. <laughs> We've talked a lot about it, so let's go in and get, get into the Lawrence County Men's Softball League, and this yes. is a slow-pitch league. Actually, let me talk about the fast-pitch league first. There wasn't a, a whole lot of coverage on the fast-pitch league, but I will say that our team was had uh, some stalwarts on it. Joe Tully. He was, he was the star pitcher of the team, so Joe was mentioned before. Of course, Doug Hardacre pulling double duty. He was coaching the Legion, we found out. Yes. <laughs> I still am shocked and, uh, by this news. I did not remember that. But, of course, I'm sure Hardacre was the shortstop on the fast pitch team. You have to think he probably was. And then Jim Wagner was on the team. He played a little pro ball, didn't he, Brian? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe in the I know Pirates, was I think. Wagner. Yeah, one of the I think it was Jim. I don't know. Hell, they were all good ball players. I can't keep them all straight. So our kid, there was a whole lot of coverage. I mean, they had some they had some wins, and I'm not sure what league they were in. But this slow pitch softball league, it was a ten team league. Chip mentioned some of the teams there, but we were broken into two five team divisions. Bridgeport was looked like to me the only team from uh, the western side of the county, and everybody else was a Lawrenceville team. Um. But basically, this this team uh, started off a little slow, but then they got hot as the summer went along. Our reporting starts on July the fifth. We moved to uh, six and two at that point and beat the league leader St. Francisville by a score of twelve to seven. Jim Andrews led the way with a home run, while Terry T. Boat Andrews and David Sally Sears also collected triples in this game. Oh wow! So showing know- the showing the speed. And that's not easy to get a triple in a slow pitch softball game. Those fields aren't big enough for that. So no kid was getting shown off. Um, and this this was the first season of of that new field out there on Highway what two fifty two fifty between Lawrenceville yeah. and Vincennes. That's that that field out there did debut. Uh, so is this like? Year. I don't know. Is this like close to like Creative Images? Is that the yeah? Area? It's all further down and on the north okay. side of the road. It's okay. kind of sat back, um, like. It wasn't right on the road. I mean, it sat back okay. a little bit, and and I know they had trouble. I remember hearing with like one of the neighbors with like parking and driving through, and and uh, Budweisers being drank. <laughs> I'd say there was a lot of cold Budweisers being drank. July seventh, Bridgeport beats Tresslers in a high scoring game, sixteen to eleven. This game, Bruce Jones, T Bone Andrews, and Ed Bryant all went three for four. Brian scored three runs for you. We also had Ken Fisher and Steve Andrews homered in the game. Steve Andrews homered? <laughs> Steve Andrews homered. I didn't know Inside he had... the park, baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now we're talking. I didn't think scored... he had that kind of power. They scored 10 runs in the final two innings. They're now 7-2. and two. You think when Steve Andrews round in third, people yelled, get on your horse? Oh, sure. So, like, just this month, we, so we played the fifth. They played the seventh. And now they're playing July 9th. They hammered Meadowview Farms 23-5. to Pat That's Swilling the team Mike goes, Ash plays on, yeah. Pat Swilling goes 4-for-5 with two homers. Bruce Jones goes 4-for-5 with the homer. Jim Anders is 4-5, and five, and we now improve. We, Bridgeport, of course. We now we improve to 8-2 and two on the season. Go white. Why is Todd playing on that other team? That was one. I, that's when I first saw him on a Lawrenceville team. He must have gotten recruited. Obviously, there's nothing to keep you from playing for anybody. <laughs> yeah. So he got recruited over, the, over yeah, there. Yeah, obviously, if team. Tony Limeron was playing for the Legion. 
There's a couple missed weeks of reporting, but uh, we're now nine and three and first in the American League. Move on to ten to three or ten and three, the twenty-one to two win over the White Brothers. Steve Anders with another inside the park home run. Key whiz. Now in the middle of our season, that we then they have a regional softball tournament. So a big tournament. The winner gets to advance to the like a sectional tournament in Decatur. So this is all the same teams playing in this this local league. The Bridgeport wins the regional softball tourney with a 14 to 7 win over St. Francisville. So hopefully Brino's gonna have some because on August the 4th of 1977, we go to Decatur. Well, this well, team does. Well, buckle up. It's quite a story. Oh boy, good deal. I can't wait. Let's see here. And then we get after that tournament's ended, we go back to league play, move to eleven and three with a win over Ellis Key Market. And then we finished the month 12 and three with another win over St. Francisville. So this team was, uh, was playing some nice, good softball, a great July uh, to improve the 12 and three. And then Brian's going to take us through on that. Chip, well, you were in the Boy Scouts, weren't you? Yeah, Cub Scouts. I never made it to Boy Scouts. Brian, yeah. would you ever in that? I went to one meeting, I, I and I was mad because Mom wouldn't, like, buy me the whole outfit to go to this one meeting, and she finally talked me into, like, hey, let's just kind of wait and see, you know, if you if you like it and stuff. And I went to one meeting and never went back. So it was a good decision on her part. We had some good memories. I Like I said, I should have I, – I, I quit in fourth grade because I, I didn't yeah. – it's uh what you got something on cub scouts here oh Boy absolutely <laughs> i used to love when the kids would wear their in the yearbook some of the kids would wear their cub scout outfits to yeah. the school pictures second grade picture for me oh that's probably where I'm, yeah, I'm one of those that. kids <laughs> well the first ever scouting relays were held scouting what scouting relays is that the thing they do like on those little cars no this um, is way better than that that's oh. the pinewood derby okay so we had uh, Boy Scout troops. So Br- the uh, troop two fifty one. They're always tough. And Sumner, I'm not sure what number. Maybe it was that they were both two fifty one. But Bridgeport and Sumner teamed up to take on troop two forty seven out of Lawrenceville. All ages from uh, eight to ten were involved in this competition. It was several competitions. Okay. The biggest team competition of the day was the tug of war which Bridgeport defeats Lawrenceville in the tug of war. Now let's get in some of these individual events. Okay. Cause it's some big names here. Remember ages eight to 10, Brett Atkins, first place in the obstacle race. No surprise. Brett, no Brett surprise. Atkins, first place in the 600 yard run. Yeah. Brett Atkins, first place in the football throw. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. No. Great day by him. I would have liked also- to have seen who could have beaten him. <laughs> he, he was also second in the 100-yard low hurdles. I don't think I even have first price on Lawrenceville kids. I didn't report on it. Brian Laughlin anchored the winning 440-yard relay team. He was joined by, let's see, Brad McKenzie. Well, I have, all I have down was, oh, Victor Ralston was on it. Lions. And Lawson. Which Lawson would that have been? David. David, David Lawson. Two of, them on the, two of them, so David and – or no, it was just one. So, yeah, it's yeah, definitely David. David. It's I was definitely like, David, yeah. Brian Laughlin <laughs> also captured two second places. He was second in the baseball throw. Union. And he was also second in the 600-yard run. Brian great Laughlin, athlete. Brian Laughlin also had a third in the football throw and the 50-yard dash. So, I wonder who finished second in the football throw between Atkins and Laughlin. 
maybe some Lawrenceville kids. <laughs> probably like Ernie Ho or somebody. <laughs> I probably reported if it was him. <laughs> oh, this is just eight to ten year olds to so be a little yeah. younger. Oh, yeah, like an 84, 85 guy. Our other first place was Victor Ralston. Victor won the baseball throw. Dang. So good, so good job, Victor, on that. You know what July brings out there in Sumner, Illinois, the 4-H fair. Yeah, oh, yeah. Some big names here. Had some uh, had a pretty nice little 4-H fair. Looks like there was no queen back then. If not, I was I didn't find any reporting of the 1977 4-H queen anywhere. But uh, a guy that's been mentioned on this podcast several times, Raymond Price. Mm. Raymond was champion purebred lamb <laughs> and won and won the showman award. I don't know why I found that funny. So uh let's see. Uh he also got A's. They scored like A, B's, and C. So we got A's and pure bed, pure bread, you lamb. Now also getting A's were a Maria and Carl Price. So the price has dominated the lamb competition at the 4-H fair. Stacy Shear also got an A. Hmm. So Stacy took care of her you, her, her lamb, whatever it is. <laughs> we had a hay throwing contest. Ages 12 to 14. So if you think about who would have been 12 to 14 at that time. So this would be like the guys that graduated like 82, 83 in that area. When you so, hear one of these names, this is going to shock you. He he was top so, in hay throwing. Bridge, so Shank. I got to go Chuck. Ron Eck of Sumner was a winner. Ron Eck, yeah. And then Brian Zellers was a winner. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not shocking at all. Hey, I don't want to back up too much on the podcast here, but I I feel like we glossed over that Brett Atkins was a Boy Scout. <laughs> well, I didn't know what to say about that. I mean, some I, I think we a... got to talking about this. Brett Atkins, Victor Ralston, and Brian Laughlin were Boy Scouts? For a bit. Okay. I, think, eight to 10. I smell recruiting. By the Bridgeport scouting troop. <laughs> I think this was some kind of payola. Well, they knew they were deal. putting together the first ever scouting relays. They knew they, they, had they started a, putting out the ads. Yeah. Okay. The 15 to 19, Jeff Carell came back and he uh, he defended his title in the hay throwing. And, and then, uh, so Jeff Carell came back. Maria Price, again, is named champion trophy in the horse show. So the price is. Dominated. Dominant in this 4 H yeah. there. Stacy Shear swept the pig contest, guys. <laughs> she won them all. Wow. She had, she had A's in the purebred guilt. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. I've she seen had an is, a that, and, is that spelled with a D before the T? No, it's G I L T. Oh, yeah. for some reason I pictured a D there. And she's D still it? highly involved in that today. Oh, yeah. And 45 years later, she's still highly involved with that at the fair. Mm. She had an A in the purebred boar. And did, an A in the market hog. Did so, Boar have a D in it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Lynn Latch was the blue ribbon winner for uh ages nine to fourteen in the boar or in the pig category. <laughs> and Ralph Hostel got second dairy groom. Yeah. Damn. So that's another popular name back then. Couple news stories here. Um Bjorn Borg wins Wimbledon and beat Jimmy Connors. Uh, July 3rd, Triple Crown champion Seattle Slew's nine-race win streak comes an end at Hollywood Park. Uh, I told you this was going to be a running theme. In July 6th, France performs a nuclear test. 
Uh, July 9th, Tom Watson wins the British Open by five shots. And in a famous story, July 13th, New York City experiences a 25-hour blackout. July 26th, the U. Uh, the USSR performs an underground nuclear test. Things are heating up, folks. And uh, July 27th, John Lennon is granted a green card, and he becomes a permanent resident, uh, resident of the United States. Let's talk Little League All-Stars. Let's do it. Okay, so we've heard all the rosters. Now we yes. need to get to who made the All-Star team. Well, I mean, first of all, i got to predict. I mean, I'm going to take a guess here. I think a young Doug Hardacre is managing this team. I think you're right. Doug Hardacre, champion legion. And then John Gray would be his assistant. That's how they did it then, second play. John Gray was his assistant for this season. That's a pretty good nice staff. So some of the guys on the team, and they had their batting averages listed. Who was the league leader in batting average in Bridgeport Little? It had to be Doug. He's hitting missiles every time. Is it a non-Grismer? It's a non-Grismer, <laughs> okay. and Doug Grismer was 246 points behind the league. <laughs> okay, leader. let me. I have an advantage here because I have the I have all the team pictures in front of me. It's no one from the Moose, I don't think. It's probably going to be Legion or Union. Greg Laughlin would have been an older. He would have been one of those kids. I think I did the math, it, would have still been able to play in seventh grade. I'm going to say it's going to be he's, somebody. He's him. It's going to be somebody with some speed. And he, David Gray comes to mind if you're talking speed. <laughs> <laughs> he's a guard. It's it's either a union. I'm trying to think of who all he said was on that legion. Who would somebody that would bat lead off for that legion team? Okay, so let me. I'm going to give you guys one pick, one choice. Who do you think it's going to be? All right. All right. right. Let me me find this Legion roster. There's the bank. One of the bank roster. I'll tell you, he hit 656. I'm going to go Mike Ash. Well, yeah, he was on that Legion team. And, of course, the one roster I can't find. Okay, here. So, Legion, Tony Gaither, but he, yeah, he, Gaither would have been an Gaither can't hit 600. Guys, it's Tony Gaither. Um, he hit 656. Uh, not, have we ever been told? <laughs> Tony Gaither hit 656. He did. Gaither hit 656. Mike Ash hit 500 on the year. Yeah, that was close. Doug Grismer, 410. All Legion players so Rick far. Hussey, 417. Legion. Kevin Vinsel. I don't know why they put this in the paper. Le- Legion. 207. <laughs> <laughs> so five Legion players so far. Troy Reinhardt. Uh, yeah, going different teams. He was a bank. I think. Bank, yeah. Started family tradition there. Or no, Moose was his brother. Second, second leading hitter, five sixty-seven. Keith Brohawk, four eighty-seven. Okay. Bank. Rod Campbell. That's a name I don't know. Rod Campbell. His dad was the assistant coach for Bank. He hit three twenty-five. Others on the team were Jimmy Medlin, Ian Brown. I don't know Ian. Oh, yeah, he wasn't in the team picks. Greg Laughlin, David Gray, Mike Blair. Lonnie the Wells, guy. Carl Ublacker, and Brian Karowski were all on this team. I didn't know Gaither had those kind of hands. So we're preparing for our first game. Uh, it's going to be July 21st. We open up Little League All-Stars. First uh, tournament's being held down in Carmine. We play Palestine. Guys, Greg Laughlin threw a no-hitter. <laughs> Is that right? Greg wow. fires a no-hitter. Uh, struck out 10, 10 guys, so 10 of his 18 outs were by strikeout. He did walk five. 
but we beat uh beat Palestine 13 to 1. Rick Hussey went three for three. Troy Reinhardt hit a two-run homer in the game, and Doug Grismer went two for three. How in the did game. this team ever lose? Well, yeah, that... they did they the next game they did, Brino. Okay. We moved on to play Carmi, and uh Carmi got us 13 to 11. No stats were given, it just gave the score. So I don't know why it did that. I gotta uh, think you you gotta throw Doug in that Doug, game, I, I would think. think. Yeah, um, it didn't say anything, unfortunately, but you think Doug would have been who you would have thrown. Yeah, because Gaither and Laughlin were 82 grads, so they would have been coming off their seventh grade year. That's always a nice advantage when you got those late birthday kids that can yeah. hang around, like Eric Holtz was able to play in seventh grade. It's nice to have those seventh graders on your team. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm shocked. I mean, that's a great team. and you get It's a great team, and you get Greg Laughlin throwing no-nos. And- so <laughs> – now are we? Is this double it's one and done, guys? We're it's done. One We're done. And done. That's so it. It's tough. You do all that preparation, and you get, you got it. You're you play till you lose, and unfortunately, they lost to Carmi at a slugfest and out of the tournament. I'm not sure if there was any other tournaments later on in the month or not, or I'm sorry, in August. I'm not sure, but that closes out the Little League All Star season for them. But uh, a lot of top players, a good first game at least, and scored a lot of runs. Just didn't have Damn. the pitching in this in the second game to Carmine. Which is shocking because there's a lot of pitching on that team. A couple of uh, just I got a couple more things for July. Our first ever booster club was formed for Red Hill High School for Saluki Sports, led by George Zellers and Joe Spiller, were those good. in charge of the first ever booster club. So that booster club continues to today. Obviously, very successful. So thanks for. Those two gentlemen for creating that back in the day. I'll have a little bit I'm more gonna, news on that coming up. Cool. And I'm going to finish out with the school board meeting. We heard from the city that their agreement for parking in the vacant lot south of the football field. So if you think about that, like alternative entrance down there, mm-hmm. we're going to, the city of Bridgeport is going to be ending that due to the housing authority planning to build some apartments for the elderly. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that Rose Row building oh, there, yeah. that was a vacant lot that was being used for parking for Red Hill at one point. Okay. So gotcha. I feel like in one of our other podcasts, I had did a whole thing about a parking lot too. I think it yeah, was in the back of the had, school at that right, point. Yeah. Um, on the, the other item of note, which I'm assuming was the due to the birth of her daughter, but this, they accepted the resignation of Pam Cummins. A teacher at the Bridgeport Grade School. I'm assuming Carrie Cummins was just born. Yeah, she was right around then. That so, summer. Yeah. She was my so kindergarten they, teacher. So Pam, uh, Pam had to resign, and of course she already had a uh, Jackie, and then Carrie, and then Jeff was born uh, just a couple years after uh, Carrie. Then, but that's and then she come, and then she later come back. So yeah, she was, she was. Mm-hmm. So that's going to wrap up my July of a uh, 1970. Seven. All right. Well, August is going to be sponsored by Mr. Drumstick right there in the Jays Plaza in Lawrenceville. Mondays and Tuesdays, the specials, livers or gizzards, and that's for $1.55. Wednesdays, 4 to 10, you can get a family chicken fry. Now, listen to this. For $1.99, you get three pieces of golden crispy chicken, one vegetable of your choice, and rolling butter. That's $1.99. I mean, come on. Your choice now, where I said you had a choice. Your choice of ve- your choice of vegetable is French fries. I was going to ask about that. 
French fries, <laughs> tasty baked beans, tangy coleslaw, crispy potato wedges, or a zesty macaroni salad. Now so on no, no vegetables. There's like some slivered, <laughs> some slivered carrots and cabbage in the uh, coleslaw. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's drenched in mayonnaise. On, thurs- on Thursdays. <laughs> Two fried potatoes. <laughs> On Thursdays, you get a family fish fry. Now that's going to run you two forty nine, uh, but that's fish? two pieces of golden fried perch. This is perch, Gary. Oh, the embrol. <laughs> now, of course, you get that vegetable choice and a roll Same with butter. Ones. That's uh, that's Mister Drumstick, of course, there in the Jays Plaza. Um, on the August first daily record, uh, Joe Spiller. That was a headline. He heads up the Saluki Booster Club. He was named the president. So he's gonna he's gonna hold the top spot. Other officials named were Lee Grogan. He's gonna be the vice president. Mister Mrs. George Zellers is the secretary. George oh. Zellers is the treasurer. Gary Wells. Uh, he's the membership chairman. The idea of the club is to support all Saluki sports programs, and membership is open to all persons in the Red Hill school attendance area. So. I, I like Gary Wells getting involved, helping his alma mater, because uh, he doesn't have keys. His kids are like six yeah, and say, two at really... the time, so got in there before his kids were even playing sports to give back. I love it. Yeah, his little league days are coming soon. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's ready. He's getting fired up here now. The big story nationally right now, of course, is the son of Sam is striking. Um, in in the um, Monday, August first, headline was two victims were shot in Brooklyn. And the and the son of Sam it says strikes again, so he had already killed some, and uh, I think he was uh, his number was at a couple then, and then in the August second paper uh, it says police are baffled, and the son of Sam claimed his sixth victim the very next day. So uh, crazy, crazy stuff going on there. August third, uh, Radio Shack introduced its uh, new TRS eighty personal computer, and they, within weeks, a thousand were ordered. August fourth, here we go again. Like I said, the U.S. performs a nuclear test at Nevada test site, so things are getting crazy on on the fourth. August tenth, the USSR performs an underground nuclear test. Um, and if you know, and I, it was funny, I saw this, and the only reason I included it is I just read a story about this not too long ago. The wow, uh, possible alien signal from deep space was heard by the Big Ear, uh, Ohio State's radio telescope in in, in uh, Delaware. And I heard, I, I read that was referenced in something that I heard not too long ago, and I didn't know what that was, and, and I read a whole article on the wow signal, so... Might be was the son of Sam? Was he the one where the a dog was telling him to kill people? So, yeah, but Berkowitz. He was the one. That, that's what his defense was. That a dog was 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 telling him. I, I believe that's right. Um, on the sixteenth, uh, the U.S. performs another nuclear test, and then on that day, you Chip, you were talking about things you kind of remember as a kid here and there. Somebody on one of those Facebook pages put what was the first news story that you remember? August sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven. I think might be mine as well. Elvis Presley, American musician, dies at age forty-two. Forty-two, with the official cause of death being cardiac arrhythmia. But we all know 
it had more to do with prescription drugs than anything. Um, those nasty, nasty opioids. Um, 42 years old. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So what I mean, would that be? The roughly the class of nine. He'd God. be 87 now. So he very well would have still been with us today. I'm just thinking, I, I see. So I'm. I'm 53. That's a class of 87. So he's, uh, so this has been 24 years after he was 18. So, so 24 years before that is when he would have like the class of, so yeah, I don't know. What 50, 53 class of 53. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what age these people are now. Like who's 42 now is what I, where I was headed. Okay. Who's 42 now. So, okay. That'd be like the class of 98, 98. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's how young he was. Yeah. My gosh. Anyway. So on August 17th, the USSR performs a nuclear test <laughs> and on August 19th, uh, the USSR performs a nuclear test. So things are heating up. No doubt about it. Um, on August 14th, here we go, guys. As you know, Decatur, Illinois hosts the State Amateur Softball Tournament. And it's a double elimination affair, and Bridgeport is heading up there to play. And they are playing the Victory Tavern out of Madison, Illinois. Oh, wow. Okay. Madison is near Granite City. And evidently yep. they can play the game of softball because they beat us 15 to nothing. Oh, Bridgeport had score. 19 at-bats, three hits, no runs, and an error. Victory Tavern had 36 at-bats, 21 hits, 15 runs, and two errors. Bridgeport <laughs> will play Sunday at 9 a.m. against uh, one of the other losers. Then, um, so then I looked on the Monday, the eighth paper and rain halted play and which this was odd. You know, this is, uh, this is in the middle of August or the beginning of August and, uh, it's raining and like crazy. So that got rained out. And then we find out who we're going to play. We're going to play the Hamilton, Illinois merchants, and we're supposed to play them on, uh, not until that Saturday. This is Wednesday the tenth, and yeah, they uh, couldn't get. They yeah. can come back the next weekend. Yeah, it's it's chaos at this point. Bridgeport will face the uh, Hamilton Merchants not until Saturday, so we got a ways. Uh, Son of Sam finally gets caught. That's in the August eleventh um, paper, and he is he's booked. Um, and here we go in the Decatur tourney. And something, so it said we played Hamilton. And then the next story I could find says we played Macomb. And they beat us 8-7. to seven. Um, And so that that's going to knock us out. Uh, a disheartened Steve Andrews, who is the Bridgeport manager, says we just blew it. Uh, in the first, Bridgeport continued their good defense, added a pair of runs in the fifth and sixth, stretched their lead to 7-2 to two when Billy's Tavern out of Macomb came up in the bottom of the sixth. In their half of the sixth, Billy scored th across three runs, but Bridgeport continued to lead 7-5. to five. Billy's Tavern held Bridgeport scoreless in the seventh, and in the home half of the seventh, Billy's Tavern pushed across three more runs to take the game 8-7, to seven, and that's uh, what led... Andrews to say that they blew it. Mike Zwilling and Alan Stover were Bridgeport's leading hitters. 
with uh, each going two for three with a run scored. Steve Andrews led in the RBIs with a pair while he went uh, for three with one run scored. Bruce Jones was two for four with one run scored. Others scoring were Dave, Sally, Sears, Jim Andrews, and Ken Fisher. Uh, Bridgeport lost their first game to Victory Tavern from Madison. Da, 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 da. Oh, here we go. The merchant. This is why we didn't play. The merchants uh, won via forfeit versus Hamilton um, because they didn't show up. So that's how they ended up playing Macomb's Billy Tavern. So mm. they are done. In the school board meeting in August, uh, they were given the go ahead on the vocational building. Um, said that we have about okay. 200 students, so so that's good to, that they're going to go ahead with that. And um, what else? We got a couple of news. I know Sarah. It said Sarah White. Um, I'm assuming that's Sarah Waite <laughs> um, was hired as the PE teacher at Red Hill Junior High to take over the girls' basketball coaching duties. Also employed Deborah Hartrick, a teacher at the high school, to take over the girls' track coaching duties. All right. Yeah, granted two requests from teachers to be relieved of extra duties. Dixie Purcell asked to be relieved of Red Hill Junior High girls' basketball coach, while Twyla Thorne asked to be released as the girls' track coach. So they they got uh, immediate replacements (laughs) for those. Uh, approved a bill for football insurance for high schools, and that totaled twenty-seven hundred dollars. And here's that budget. Board members approved a final budget, and boys, we're taking it in the neck here. Uh, the budget is two million sixty-four thousand dollars for receipts and two million sixty-eight thousand dollars for expenditures. So we are running about a four thousand dollar deficit there. Okay. Um, so that must be what. What uh, is the old proverbial net? <laughs> I had no idea Dixie Purcell was a basketball coach. Basketball, I didn't either. That's the first I'm hearing of that. Well, that's why you listen to the old school Red Hill podcast. <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of all I got for uh, the month of August. Uh, real quick on the songs, uh, Andy Gibb continued his dominance at the beginning of August. He finally, we finally had a song last more than one week. He continued uh, August 6th and August 13th with I Just Want to Be Your Everything. And then the last two weeks of August, Best of My Love by The Emotions took over the top spot. 1977, that's a fun time to be alive, and it's a fun time to be a softball player. Yes. And there was no shortage of uh, games and leagues to play in for sure. We, You know, I know up, you know, of course, I live in big Amish country and they still have a thriving softball league up and up there at the simon graber center up in amish country but is softball's not as big as it once was is it yeah well it, it's pockets it's like there's areas where it's really big and you just got you got to find those areas where it is but it's not nearly like it was in the 70s where it, yeah overall i live across the street from deacon and sports park down here in evansville and there's still a few nights a, le- a few nights a week and uh, of some tr- games that you'll see regular leagues, and then they'll they'll host a a big men's softball tournament at the end of the year. So yeah. these guys all look like they're like six five, two eighty, and just muscle bound guys that just. So I, I don't know that the the Steve Andrews of the world at at least in mass, like because it seemed no. like back then everybody was playing softball. Yeah, it's yeah. nothing like I that. It's hard to find those places, at least, I would think. Well, even when I was cut, got out of high school, I mean, it was still pretty big then. I played in the league in St. Francisville, and I played in a different team in Vincennes, and 
um, it kind of, I think it kind of started slowly kind of just dying off after that for whatever reason. Yeah. But, um, I know a friend of the podcast, Brett Lynn's into it. He plays in some leagues still. He'll, yeah. he'll have posts up about over and all. He's on a team. Yeah. Hmm. That's fun. What else guys? 77. That was, it was a cool time. I, uh, Do we want to talk about the Spotify a little bit? Yeah, Facebook go ahead. Yeah. Give a quick, uh, go ahead give a quick rundown. Okay. So. As you notice, Brian didn't play the songs this week that we normally add in the number one songs during the, the era that we're talking about. And I guess Brian got some emails last Friday. They started taking down podcasts, thankfully, just on Spotify. Just on Spotify, which, yeah. Um, because we had some copyrighted music. And as you know, our theme song was the Bon Jovi song. And then we played snippets of number one songs and or big hits at that time throughout so unfortunately uh, it sounds like the bots at spotify um i assume they just have bots that run through and then when they catch they get a signal when they catch something that uh, is not allowed so they did delete those shows but they're still on apple Podcasts. they're on podbean um, stitcher google Podcasts, basically anywhere else as far as we know we've only heard from spotify so yeah we're going to kind of go away from the music a little bit and just stick with the content. It's disappointing because I think it added, added to our podcast. We're all big music fans, but we'll still have a lot of great information and content yeah. interviews. Those things aren't going anywhere, which is really why you're here. It, yeah. We're not going to have some of the extras, but we'll still have all the same. Yeah. And, and like I say, all the new shows will be on, on Spotify. And, and I was shocked to see that we've, we've got, more listeners on Spotify than I thought. So the archives, like I said, Podbean, Apple, Google, iTunes, uh, or uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Alexa, a whole bunch of other places right now. Now, if we if we ever get, if they start taking them down from there, I may have to go into Podbean and, and figure out a way Find to. Some way. There's got to be some way you can get some software or something to download something. Yeah. You might need to invest in that because like, I really don't want to lose. Like, I don't want to lose those, these those, shows. All yeah. those in, like, I don't want to lose any of them, but like those, like, like those interviews are like, those are things that people are going to want to listen to. I mean, yeah. we need to preserve those for sure. Like, you know, yeah. that, you know, coach Evans's grandkids and they are going to want to listen to those years from now. Yeah. So I want to make sure we can save those somehow. So, so we'll, we'll figure out a way. Podbean is the service that I use to, that's, that's kind of my catcher, if you will, that, that I upload through. So I'm sure that if there was ever a problem with them, I mean, I pay them a fee uh, yearly and I'm sure there's a way that they could help me extract, you know, the, the non-copyrighted material. And listen, we knew we were, we knew we were doing something that, you know, we were using copyrighted material, but we're, a, we're such a small limited audience podcast. We didn't, there's <laughs> a hometown yeah, niche we, podcast. We didn't think that they would they, be they a big deal, fun. but it yeah. evidently is. So, but uh, we have fun doing it. And we're going to keep doing it. We'll have a show again in two weeks. Don't know what we're going to do yet. We'll figure that out here in the next couple of days, and we'll be back. But we appreciate you listening. But now, what did we talk about? I don't uh, think. W- I think the main thing that people don't know that we talked about was I forgot to hit the record button and we had to start the show over after about four minutes. So that was huge in tonight's episode. We talked about Ron's red and white. About Montana getting some competition. What was it? Uh, we, Sti- we, stitches and boots? Stitches and boots or yeah. something. 
we talked about Doug Brown, and we were supposed to hear more about Doug. Yeah, Brown. that never happened. I, that didn't happen. I I saw on one of the pages that I was looking up the softball stuff. I saw in the first match of the year for Lawrenceville, Doug Brown fired a fired a forty six at him. Okay. So sorry about that omission. Uh, Ron's red and white, and uh, get a ten cent can of biscuits if you can. We talked about sports and spurs. Yes, we did. Even though it wasn't around yet. I think about how busy some of these, or a lot of these men in Lawrence County were during the summer. My <laughs> <laughs> Hardacre, like he's got games and coaching. and <laughs> well, Tim, Tim Worth was coaching Little League, and he was a star. And I didn't even get into Lawrence County Legion team, but Tim Worth was a star player on that Lawrence County Legion team. Uh, Lynn Jamerson. Just flat out said, I'm not going back on Sunday for the Lawrence County Open. Go back on, but he, yeah, I was thinking maybe it didn't happen the same time that Barbie was born. I still, <laughs> she was born on a Monday on the 20th. It would have been a couple weeks later. Maybe it was a false labor situation. <laughs> Mary, Mary had to go to the hospital. That's true. Tony Gaither hit 657 for the Legion. And Greg Laughlin, Union alum Greg Laughlin, a no-hitter in the All-Stars against Palestine. That's right. Brino peed his pants every Tuesday and Friday for Lions games. That's sad. And we're glad Wayne Woodruff is okay. Yes. The, the prices dominate the lamb competition. They sure did. And Stacy Shear dominated the swine. <laughs> Yes. It still does. Yes. And a whole bunch of Wells is on the Moose team. All right. Ron and Ron and Russ. <laughs> Bran at home. Uh, Joe Spiller is going to head up the first ever booster club. We talked about how they never used the the female's name in the paper. It was Mrs. George Zeller, Mrs. Jerry Cooper, and so on. That's true. No, how was Jerry spelled? Was it spared like a man's Jerry? Yeah, with a Y. All right, damn it. <laughs> All right, on behalf of David King, who's on assignment, Gary Emmons and Chip Jamerson, we are Red Hill. Let's go white. The Old School Red Hill Podcast is a production of Impulse Radio.